righty, kids. What is up? It is Stu. It is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. And we've got another issue segment of I may be wrong, but I doubt it. This is where uh, myself and other fitness professionals, we end up just kind of jawing off in the comments on uh, in the social medias. And uh, we get together in a DM and we think it'd be fun to kind of have our debate out here in front of you all. Um, and uh, I, I truly believe more than anything in the world that differences uh, in opinion are the only reason we have anything in this world. So anytime I find someone that disagrees with me, I'm I'm uh, obsessively always wanting to debate and go back and forth with them. And I've got uh, Brian Costello here um, with 023 Holistic Systems. Um, Brian, do me a favor real quick. Uh, introduce yourself to the audience and give them a good little 90-second wrap-up as to kind of who you are and, and your place in the industry. Yeah, man, sounds good. Well, th- you know, thanks for having me on the show. I'm, I'm excited to get into it today. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm Brian, uh, 023 Holistic Systems. So 023 stands for... Oh, 23, the other 23. So as you know, most people in the fitness industry are familiar with the idea of like, you know, we have the hour in the gym, of course, and then we have the other 23 hours of the day. So um, O23 Holistic Systems, we focus on expanding fitness essentially beyond the gym walls and um, helping people connect the physical side of fitness to, you know, the mental side, the emotional side, and even the spiritual side, actually. So they can just kind of, you know, make a more holistic, um, more holistic life. So um, we actually work with coaches primarily to equip them in our systems, um, certify them in our, in our structure, and then allow them to go out and bring this offer to their fitness clients. Awesome. So, were you just on Frisella's, uh, or not? Yeah. I mean, um, oh fuck. Frez's. Were you on Frez's podcast a second ago? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. I saw, I did not get a chance to listen to it, but I was scrolling through and I saw that you, you guys were jamming together. And so I was like, yeah. oh, that's dope. Yeah, good. Yeah. yeah you're in good. Wrong, good company here. Wrong, good company. Um, all right, cool. So here's the setup. So I make a, a post a couple weeks ago, and it said something to the tune of your micro gym doesn't change lives. It provides the opportunity for others to change their own lives. Stop making it about you. It's about them. And I made this in response. You sent me an awesome email to one of my WTF weekly newsletters. And I believe it was one where I, was, I think I was reviewing uh, Planet Fitness and some of the moves they had been doing in the industry. Mm-hmm. And you had this, you essentially had a, a really good question. Um, and essentially, you know, um, Stu, I'm curious, how much of it all does the client success play a role? And that really, that got me thinking a ton. And that's where I went ahead and I made this post about your micro gym doesn't change lives. And, and then you and me got into this really good kind of back and forth in the comments there. And um, that's what I wanted to go ahead and kind of really get into. So for everyone to give context to that, um, you know, if you're not subscribed to WTF Weekly, I did a piece where I highlighted Planet Fitness. And um, I mean, just from the franchise growth perspective, they're, they're kicking everyone's ass in the, in the fitness industry franchise world. Now, it could easily be argued, and I think this is maybe one of your arguments, Brian, was that okay, but like it's planet fitness. Are they really with their fucking pizzas on Fridays and stuff? Are they really actually doing any good out there? Is that, is that kind of a, is that a safe, was that, was that a safe part of your platform there? Yeah, I, I would say that's fair. Um, and, you know, to be clear, I guess I'll start by saying that, um, you know, I owned an affiliate for a long time. I owned an affiliate for seven years. We were very, very business oriented. I was very committed and focused on growing my business, making money, expanding my business, all those types of things. Um, I even after I was doing some consulting and similar things for a while as well, 
that's a huge part of my my life and my focus and all those things. It's not that I'm like, oh, you know, it's not fair. They make more money than us. You know, it's not you're not that. an you're not an anti capitalist. No, in fact, I'm a very very devoted free market capitalist, like kind of to the extreme. Um, and uh, so I'm all good with all that stuff. It was just yeah, the question to me was like, at what point, you know, is, like where, you know, basically if we're just measuring success on um, quarterly earnings, you know, we're really, we're no different than, than healthcare or other, some of these other companies. It's like, where there's actually no discussion, not that you're not having a discussion, but sure. these stuff in these, in these corporations, I would say there's close to zero discussion on like, are people actually getting healthier and fitter, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's where, you know, at what point do we have to say, you know, do we support this? Do we acknowledge this? Do we even want to acknowledge and bring attention to this without that? Yeah. So, you know, I, a lot of, a lot of micro gym owners do not like when I put out the content about planet fitness or orange theory, but let, let's stay on planet fitness for a second. And um, I'll make a statement very bold like this, like planet fitness. And the, generally this is a CrossFit affiliate. Planet mm-hmm. fitness is impacting more lives positively than CrossFit. And I get a lot of pushback on that. What, what would you say to that? Planet fitness is affecting more lives positively more lives positively than CrossFit. I, I, I think that I would probably disagree with you. Okay. So let's take a look at the average planet fitness. Let's say on average, they have 8,000 active memberships and out of the 8,000 only 30%. Okay. All right. Only 30% of them. Okay. Are coming in four days a week. Okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe 40% of them are coming in two days a week. Maybe uh, 10 to 15% are coming in five or more days a week. Now, 8,000 is a small amount of active memberships for a Planet Fitness. But when you take that over all their locations, Mm -hmm. there are still a fuck ton of people. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people Mm -hmm. that are still coming to Planet Fitness and working out. Mm -hmm. And where I think most gym owners get pissed at that statement, like, because if you back out the math of it, right? They just like, well, no, Planet Fitness is a shit model, Stu. Fuck that model. $10 a month, pizza on Fridays, purple, lunk alarm. Fuck those guys. And I'm just like, but but here's the thing, man. There's a lot of people. I mean, a significant amount of people that go there weekly. Maybe it's two days a week. Maybe it's three. Maybe it's one. Maybe it's seven. And they put in good work and they're, and they're, and they're making their lives fitter because of it. I know we like to look at Planet Fitness as the $10 a month piece of shit model in our fitness industry, but by and large... And again, realistically, let's say there's uh, 14,000 active memberships at, and when I say active, I mean pain, okay? Active Mm -hmm. memberships and what percentage of them are actually attending the gym on some level of frequency. You're still having a huge impact if you're planet fitness. Mm -hmm. Now, you're having a huge impact on a large amount of people. Now, the majority of those people don't come in, Stu. You said only 30% might come in one time a week and maybe 20% come in two times a week. Yeah, I get it. There are a lot of humans that are fucking lazy. If you haven't looked around, this is like, we are the fattest country in the world. Planet fitness is just indicative, actually representational of the work ethic of the average human being and working out is difficult. But the fact that they can still, that they provide that many locations and give that many people the opportunity to work out at a very low rate, which a lot of people can't afford, you know, uh, our boutique rates of the micro gym. I, I look at planet fitness and I have, I think they're doing Tons of good for the for the 
country and the fitness scene as a whole? Yeah, there, I think, I don't think there's a whole lot to argue there necessarily, like say like, you're wrong on those accounts. I think there's some important points to bring up though. One of them is, yes, maybe the net gain, like the net amount of people that end up in the gym frequently. And, and um, that trumps probably, probably trumps CrossFit. Although I don't wouldn't say we're that far behind with the amount of affiliates and people that are doing it. But well, just on that one example, 8,000 active members, 30% yeah. of them is 2,400 people. Find right. me a CrossFit gym that impacts 2,400 people. Right. You'll never find it. Exactly. So, so from a net gain standpoint, I would say you were right about that original statement. However, I would also be looking at the ratio of people that are active here compared to, or people that have memberships here compared to people that are having success. Um, and in which case we would say, well, if you know 70% of people aren't even showing up, we'd say, we could say we're, we're failing there. I would also though want to just, I, where you know, my point of view really comes in is, is more in the discussion on whether or not people that are just coming to this gym are considered to be having success. And yes, there may be, ha there's, they're doing what like um, they're happy with the arrangement between them and Planet Fitness. Like, yeah, I pay ten bucks to get to go here and I get to work out. But what my argument in this whole kind of discussion is 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 that enough? You know, is the fitness industry is that all we can really do? Is that really success for fitness? Is that really you know considering looking around at what the state of the world and our society is in right now? Is just getting people access to the gym enough, or should we or can we be doing more? And I, and that's where, you know, in just doing uh, just a little bit of research in your stuff, obviously uh, the other 23 hours, it's what your entire business model is all about. Whereas I look at the other 23 hours and I say, that's why fitness and fitness companies, brick and mortar locations, coaches online and wherever in person, online, whatever, we can't guarantee our client success. It's not up to us. It is not up to us to create that success because no matter what, and I don't care how good of a holistic, spiritual fucking nutrition world you create, education you create, paradigm you generate for this individual, it still requires that motherfucker to do things on their own. You're not you're not going to go and wake them up at 5 a.m. and take them out of bed and put them in the gym. You're not going to shove the kale in their fucking mouth. They still have to do that on their own. So number one, I believe the onus is always on the client. It is not on the purveyor of fitness. It is not on the coach or the business. And I also think that means that us as gym owners have to stop. And I hate this fucking phrase. My gym changes lives. No, you dick face. It does not. You create the opportunity for other people to change their lives and don't take that away from them. They got up at 5 a.m. They ate the kale. They bought the Nike running shoes. They saved up for the $200 a month gym membership. Not you. Like you literally did one hour of fucking work to a group of people, and maybe you did a one-on-one -on -one with a vending PT or group, whatever. But then that person was left to their own devices, like as you well know, for the other 23 hours. And I believe the credit goes to them, not the gym, not the trainer. Yeah, I would say, uh, again, I think he has, there's some legitimacy there, except that nobody ever in the history of any kind of success has ever had anybody do the work for them, right? Like, I mean, maybe if you're getting like liposuction or something like that, right? And you consider that success, but really sure. like, even when the gym, they come to your gym, they, you know, you're setting it up, they're, they're doing the workout. Um, you could say like, theoretically, someone like with that argument, someone like Tony Robbins, right? Has, has never actually changed someone's life because they haven't, he hasn't actually. I agree hundred you know, percent with it. Yep. 
But I think it would be silly to think that Tony Robbins hasn't changed people's lives, right? No, he has influenced, and I think this is where verbiage is key. He has influenced people's lives, but he has not changed anybody's life. Right. Okay. No, that's that's a very important distinction. And I like the word there, influence. I think that's the important term here because like you mentioned, um, you know, with the micro gyms, we, we like to take take pride and take honor in saying like, you know, we change our gym's lives and uh, change our members' lives. And a lot of that has to do is, you know, with the fact that we, we build real relationships, right? And well, not in all cases, but in most cases. And one of the things I think that's really overlooked in the change in the industry in the past decade or so, everybody knows, you know, the CrossFit explosion, the functional fitness explosion, right? Like this 2008 to 010 to 12, it just, just went crazy. It changed the landscape of fitness forever. Every gym really in the world has had some kind of residual in- changes and impact based on, on CrossFit. 100%. 100%. Now, the thing, is, what people say, so it's like this kind of functional fitness, functional fitness is change, changing. But really the biggest thing that actually changed in that time period, in my mind, the bigger shift is, was the shift to community-based fitness. That fitness became a thing that you did with other people. It was social, it was fun, it was a community. You showed up, people knew your name, they cared about you, they, in some extent, know your goals. You yep. feel like you have reliable um, you know, resources there. So with that, through that process, we've taken fitness from this kind of, you know, you get a membership, you go do your thing, to this world now where throughout this process where there's tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of like one-on-one relationships between a coach and a client out in the world right now, where the clients are viewing their coaches and their gym owners as very likely the most influential health resource in their life. And the coaches have people who are in need of, of real help, not like, you know, crazy, you know, they need to go see medical attention right away help, but like, they're having struggles and difficulties in their life. They have this person, this relationship already built. They have the trust. They've had success in their gym. And now we are in a position, like you said, of influence, to have real influence on our clients' lives. And what we're encouraging here at O23 is to just start taking those relationships a couple steps further, right? They, they, they need more. You can offer more. Let's figure out how to make this happen because there's, you know, we're living in a world, if it wasn't the situation we're in, we're living in a world where people are, are struggling. The everyday average household is filled with people who are most, you know, struggling with, with um, you know, health challenges that will eventually become health problems. A whole bunch of good stuff to unpack. Number, one, I just thought of one thing, and if he's listening, there's a, a good colleague and buddy of mine. His name is Brian Strump. He's got a gym here in Charlotte, and there's yeah. a huge sign he's got in there, and it says, "This place will change your life." Comma. Note the comma. Mm-hmm. If you let it. Yes. Right. Like, and I just, I, as soon as we got to talk about that, I just thought of that sign in Brian's gym and it just fucking uh, rang true. A few of the things I'll pack, which I love that you, where you went down that uh, in that path, um, going back to, you know, previously was the open gym, globo gym model, right. Go about your, especially when the iPod hit and, you know, you just, everyone had fucking, you know, headphones in and you just kind of did your own thing and then group exploded uh, a la curves and, and that whole jazzercise mm-hmm. and uh, Jack Lane and all those guys. And, and now we have what we have today, which is group is the predominant, you know, model, uh, popular model right now. Now I, I truly I think, do. I think there's a distinction there between the group though, and like community, you know, group where you just kind of show up and like you're in a class and you're like just in the back kind of following along 
versus what I think most affiliates, what I, we consider community business, where it's like, yeah, like we go to each like other's birthday I, parties and we fucking hang out at the gym for an hour afterwards, that kind of shit. Yeah. 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 I, that, and that's the stuff I'd like to see get rid of real quick. <laughs> I'd love to see that stuff. I, I don't mind it. I, what I mind is exactly that is the, is the gym owners who, who wear that like a badge yeah. that this, that 12% of your membership you know, gets together every weekend and knows every fucking move that you make as a business owner, then they get mm-hmm. mad when you take Johnny off the schedule and, oh, you changed the programming because you went to a fucking OPEC certification and now I'm quitting and going to the gym down the street because you hurt my feelings because I painted the walls in 2008. I just can't, it just, there's a whole visceral thing I have with that. Yeah. But you, I, one thing I want to say, I think the biggest thing in this shift from the solo dolo, go to the gym, go to Gold's gym by yourself versus group group was the first place, not the community. It was education. Hmm. It was the first center of education, informal. You were taught how to use a mega former if you went to Pilates, taught how to clip in at a spin studio, taught how to use barbells and dumbbells at a CrossFit gym. And that's why, and I made, that is one of the, the last WTF weeklies I did. I think the next avatar that's coming in the next five years, that's going to be predominant. And we're all going to want, some of us are going to want to go after is the autonomous fitness user because you can't take 20 plus years of educating a market. And that's all we've been doing is group fitness, CrossFits, functional fitness, hit suits. We've been educating, educating, educating. And now you're going to have a very educated consumer who doesn't need you anymore for the recipe. Like they look at that workout, they're like, ah, I'm really trying to get my quads a little bigger and doing 150 wall balls ain't going to do it for me. So I'm going to skip that workout of my gym today and I'm going to go to the global gym and do some tempo, tempoed front squats, you know, cyclist squats, right? Or I'm going to go follow some knees over toes guy. Or I'm going to go follow Marcus Philly. I'm going to identify with a tribe or like what you do, you work with individual coaches, right? And a lot of those individual coaches have like their own personal brand and their clients probably dig their personal brand and they can relate to that. Going to what, you know, the individual coach and I've got, I mean, obviously I, I, that's a job just like I have. My consulting is a job. It's a one-to-one job, Mm -hmm. right? It's not a business. The problem I like, and I do that and I compare myself like to two brain, you familiar with two brain, Chris Cooper's company. Chris Cooper, great mission. He wants to help 1 million entrepreneurs. Well, in order to do that, you got to create a business and you got to have a bunch of mini me's running around and systems and 12 step programs in order to churn that many people through. Um, for guys like your coaches, it sounds like in me and my consulting, I want a job. I want to work one-on-one with a, with a small select group of people. And I, and I, I'm, I realize I'm not going to be able to help as many people. If I want to go at it one-on-one, I cannot help as many people. And it's just the sacrifice of scale and math and all that as we go in there. My question to you is then, like, and I, even with my gym owners or even when I had clients that I, before retiring, like, do you, where do you, then where does the trainer get to say, that's not on me anymore, homie. You didn't follow the instructions. You didn't do the work. I'm not liable for your success or lack thereof anymore. Or is there a spot in your, in your, in your paradigm? Yeah, that. I mean, so basically you're saying a client's frustrated, not getting results, and the trainer's kind of like, listen, dude, what do you want me to do? I, well, if the, if the client wins or loses, mm-hmm. is that on the trainer? I think if the uh, original agreement was to set forth towards some kind of goal together, you know, like we're going to, this is where I want to go. These are the things, these are what I'm dealing with that are problems. This is where I want to be instead. This is what's holding me back. Can you help me? Or the person saying, I can help you. 
if that's the agreement, yes, whether you know win or lose, I think that's a it's a partnership. You know, it's a, it's a teamwork, right? Sure. Um, I think what's clear that the expectations need to be very clear from the beginning. Um, I, okay, go. You want? No, no. I was just say like, and and that's so so that's fair. So let's say Sally comes in and she's signing up for your lose twenty pounds program type scenario. She comes in, she loses nine and a half pounds but she's making better choices. You know, her boyfriend's wanting to do her more. She's fitting in better clothes, whatever the fuck it is. She's happy. She's like, I didn't lose 20, but fuck nine and a half. That's way better. They thought I'm going to stick with this thing or let's go the opposite. She gains 10 mm-hmm. goes opposite. I mean, just life is just a train wreck. Now is that win or loss? I don't like, I just cannot believe that the win or loss can fall on the purveyor of the fitness because at the end of the day, None of us can guarantee results when we only, and again, just to go to the name of your company, it's just math. I have you for one hour out of the 24. Mathematically, I'm not in control of what's happening to your body 97.8% of the day. Mm -hmm. How mathematically can I take responsibility? It'd be like my fucking financial planner. If I only gave him 5% of my money, and told him, I want you to make me, uh, get me a million dollars in this portfolio by the end of blah, blah. He's like, dude, I can't do that. I'm 5% of your money. I like, I need, I need 100% of your money or 80% of your money. Well, yeah. If I, yeah. So, so that's kind of the point there. I, I'll, um, first, I'll say that, you know, if you offer a weight loss program, hey, you're going to lose 20 pounds in eight weeks if you do this program kind of thing, and people are gaining weight. I mean, something's wrong, right? Like, unless they're just literally like, I'm not doing this, I'm just going to do whatever I want instead. In which case, I think the, a trainer or coach is still has to take some sort of responsibility of like either I didn't explain something properly, I didn't engage them properly, I didn't excite them enough. I didn't do we really think it's the trainer not educating, or do we think it's compliance? I mean, it could be it could be either, but it, I would say compliance is more likely that yeah. they're not just oh I followed what the trainer told me and I gained ten pounds instead of lost. That's kind of unlikely. Um, so uh, compliance, yeah, I think becomes a big part of it. Um, th- that being said, so again, it comes, it kind of comes back to expectations, right. And, and that original agreement and the, like you talked about with the money, it's like, Oh, I want to get rich, but here I can only give you 5% of my money. That's again, sort of what the conversation we're trying to change. It's like people come to your gym and they'll tell you things like, I want to lose weight or I want to get stronger. I want more energy or blah, blah, blah. For, so they can go and live a better life somehow. Like this is something to improve their everyday life. They want to be they want to be better in their everyday life. You want to improve their everyday life. Why are we not discussing their everyday life? Right? We're trying to use the gym as this cure-all, this one hour a day at the gym as this cure-all to in, in improve all these things in, in all of their life. And what we notice, what I've noticed, and this is part of the reason this was kind of what drove me out of my fitness business, part of the reason. And drove me this direction was essentially a cycle that I was seeing where client comes in, they are improving, they're happy, they're losing weight, they're hitting PRs or high, whatever, you know, life is great, life is great, life is great. And then, you know, that is one to three years at the most. And then what happens is they slow down, they plateau, they're kind of stuck and they either quit or just they find something shiny new, some online program, some $20 a month templates and blah, 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 blah. So on the coach's side too, it's like during that phase where the client's doing awesome, it's, it's, you know, that honeymoon phase, we call it, the coach is experiencing the same thing. Look at my clients, they're doing great, they're doing this, they're doing that. And then eventually they get stuck and they're like, 
the client starts, the client's going to blame the coach or the gym or something to some extent, right? Probably. And the coach is going to blame the client to, to at least some extent. The client's going to be like, well, they freaking change the program or they do, 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 whatever they make up. And then the coach is like, well, they don't fucking listen to me. I tell them not to do this and they don't do it. And both their sides are pissed at each other. But really, they're just, you know, it's a, we're trying to, you, as a fitness company or, you know, business, we're trying, it's a, you know, two to three year service, really, if that's where the service ends, then you can't really expect to make a lifelong career if you're only going to take a client in, keep them happy for maybe three years, and then have to continue to, you know, rebuild that, uh, you know, over and over and over and over again. So that's where we're getting to the discussion of like, who's ready to take more responsibility? You know, are the coaches ready to take more responsibility and say, Hey, when you enroll here, we're not just, the gym is where we meet. The gym is where we um, do our fitness aspect of what we do here. And it's kind of like the centerpiece that holds us together. But when you get involved here, we're going to be looking at, you know, this entire system, this whole entire holistic health, holistic lifestyle. And um, we can never make them do anything, but we can educate and guide and lead in the same way that we do in the gym outside. And are you of the belief, because this is another thing I push back on a lot. Do you, you know, I believe clients are all going to have a sick, are all going to have a lifespan. Mm -hmm. They all cancel on a long enough timeline. I don't believe in the coach, the client forever. So when I hear like, like a client for one to three years, I'm like, man, this sounds like a typical lifespan. And, And here's why, because boutique fitness created so many diverse fitness opportunities, Pilates and yoga and CrossFit and hit and enduro and all this shit. It's, it's like, uh, you like craft beer? Not really, actually. <laughs> so I, I don't, I like breweries. I'm not a real craft beer guy. I'm like that bitch who gets like the lightest, like fucking half yeah, and yeah. or something. I'm that, I can't do like an IPA, but like, I got buddies like, you know, that are in people who are really into that. And there's so many different kinds of breweries and craft beer. They can bob around town and try different things. And I look at fitness like that. We've opened the Pandora's, you know, box of all this different stuff. You could do a Versa climber with a fucking hula hoop, and then you could be doing yoga and then boxing. There's so much different stuff to try. So when I hear someone's like, yeah, but this fitness model doesn't work because clients wash out in a few years, I'm like, or people are just fickle, which they are, and they just want to try new shit. Like, I mean, I, you ever eat somewhere over and over and over again? You're like, this place is amazing for two, three years. And then bleh, you're just like, I'm kind of sick. I'm going to just try something else. And it's like going to Chipotle. I'm going to go to Cadoba, whatever the fuck it may be. It like, I just think that's the human nature. And when we try to, and I've got buddies, I mean, again, just, you know, uh, you know, I consider you and me colleagues in this industry, but I've got other colleagues, uh, Craig Patterson, he owns Mad Lab. Mad Lab is all about the client for life. Me and him go back. We hit, we butt heads on this. Sean Pastooch, uh, these guys like, you know, you clients could be around for a lot longer. I'm like, but why? Like if they don't want, why do we need to keep thinking of adding other elements in so we can be more infused in their fucking life and keep them in this ecosystem? Because guess what? I don't need them to. I need them to come in, experience my thing, enjoy it while they were here. I hope they have a great client experience. Hope they get the results they were looking for. I'm not responsible for it if they don't. But when they pass through, there is somebody, there's like, there's someone else who hasn't been introduced to my thing. So instead of mourning the loss over someone who came, enjoyed, they saw and they conquered and then just moved on. I'm, you know, instead of fucking writing some emo p- bitch ass song about it, I'm just going to welcome the next person in. Cause there is always a next person who wants to experience your thing. Right. And so that last point though, I think is key there because in very few cases, are they moving on because they came, they saw, they conquered in most cases, 
they came, they improved, they faded out, they fizzled out, they feel defeated, they're leaving in defeat. What do you and, do fitness wise now? Because you have, you and me used to like we're we're both OGs. I got a CrossFit like 06. You're you're right there with me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we opened in the 2009. Yeah. Okay, so um, you started. You CrossFit was your main go, like it was mine, mm-hmm. right? When did that change for you, and why? So, my you know my personal journey in there has a lot of uh, layers to it. Between like you know it was my yeah. life. I competed. I owned the gym and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I ended up moving away from anything really barbell related in the last four or five years. Um, because you're more educated. You just found a niche of that I you just, just liked. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's like me and this tempo stuff that I'm talking about. I've got kids fucking ready to burn my house down because I'm saying that you shouldn't drop a barbell from overhead. You should eccentrically lower it back to your chest and back to the floor. And I just, I've just found that in my 20 years of fitness, that's what I found that I like right now. And I have no idea what I'm going to be into in five years. I have no clue, but like that evolution, I mean, that kind of goes back to this whole autonomous thing. The more you educate us, the more we're exposed to, and the more exposed to, the more we can niche into functional bodybuilding or yoga or parkour or whatever the fuck it may be. And I, and I don't see that as a failure on what you were doing before. Like when you said like, well, if we, I I think you came, you saw you conquered, you competed in CrossFit, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like I came, I saw I conquered. I was in the fit, great shape. And uh, we both had successful businesses. We just decided we wanted a different flavor of ice cream. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I, I would. I again, I wouldn't really argue with that. I think really what the the situation I'm um, alluding to is more of, you know, again, people are coming to your gym to get these certain results in health, and they're just not achieving them. Right? They're still they haven't lost the weight that they thought they haven't. They don't feel better. And like we we we've compared to things like breweries we compared to things like restaurants and the thing the difference is and i i think most listeners coaches that listen that own private gyms will agree with this is that it comes to this is health and we most of us got into this to help people i know that's like such a fluffy like i just want to help people blah, blah, blah. but at the core deep down i mean sure. if you have devoted your life to this it's some way you you want to help people and, and let's just say for everyone else, because I think you have a great point there. Even if you are, don't like that fluffy answer of help, of helping people, which I agree with, you could at least uh, you could at least agree with you enjoyed working with people. Yes. At the least, you just enjoyed working with humans and their complex pro- and their problems. Yes, seeing them succeed, seeing them overcome Correct. a problem. Um, and again, when they don't get that, first of all, they're going to associate the failure with your business because they just whether it was on them or not, they're just going to be like, I went to this gym for a while, it didn't work out not a great thing for business in general. And really, like I said, we, when we see people struggling, we know we can offer more or we, we know that the, most coaches, I'll, I'll kind of summarize what most coaches are coming to us now with is like, I, I know my clients need more. I know I can do more. Like I know I'm capable of, of expanding what my offers are beyond just sweating and, and breathing heavy and, and, and all these types of things. Most of them have tried to go like, more micro with like an OPEX kind of energy systems approach or, or active like corrective extra, you know, like they kind of try to pick a lane micro, but then they're like, well, I'm still ignoring all these other lanes. I know people need more outside of the gym. I know the lifestyles that most of my clients live are keeping them stuck. I just don't know exactly what to do to like create an offer to like, I don't know exactly how to like do it. You know, like I know that's there. I just don't know how. 
And I think that that's becoming a really common theme in coaches who have been in the industry for a while. And that's kind of where I started to step up because I'm like, we can do that cycle. Okay, every three years, person comes in and that's great. And I could keep doing that. But for a lot of us, it comes down to like that fulfillment. of like, but do I want to do that for the next 20, 30 years? Or do I want to narrow my focus or really broaden my focus, but narrow, um, uh, increase my impact on a less amount of people in bigger ways? And, you know, my, and, I, and, I understand, and I understand it, especially with having a, a good, like, superficial understanding of, of what you do when we train your coaches and stuff like that. I was watching some of the clips on your Instagram earlier today, just some of the presentations and seminars you put on, certifications. Um, it's like, but, okay, does that mean my golf at my golf pro? is now going to eventually be like at some point like, well, the real reason you don't have that good of a good follow through on there's also because you're kind of fat. So I'm also going to start incorporating nutrition and you're really stiff because you slept on the couch because your wife kicked you out of bed because you were at the strip club till 2 a.m. So we're going to start doing lifestyle and fucking behavior control work. And then like, how? at what point do you just like, no, you're a fucking golf pro. I come to you for golf. I pay you for golf. I leave and I do the rest of my shit. And if I want help with my shit behavior, I go get a psychiatrist or a behavioralist, right? And if I need help with my nutrition, I get an RD and like it's like s- these professions uh, try to be, become a one-stop shop You're like I can take care of all this like your dad touched you when you were two fucking I can unpackage that for you as well and get you your first pull-up well first of all, <laughs> second of all um, yeah I, I don't necessarily see like you said there the, like that kind of expansion again yeah. this comes back to expectations from the beginning so the thing for what I think fitness makes fitness different in these cases is like Fitness, I mean, what's happening right now is, you know, fitness is expanding on its own. It, it, it's just happening. It wants to expand. It, it has to expand. It has to expand because. When you say it's expanding, what do you mean? Uh, sorry, like what is considered within like the scope of fitness okay. is generally expanding, right? Um, and mainly due to the relationships that are forming and the coaches that are becoming more educated and things like that. One of the biggest reasons is because. Well, first of all, we got to remember fitness was an invention to essentially make up for a a lifestyle that lacked in motion, right? In the mid to late 1900s, this kind of when like fitness became a thing because our lifestyles lacked motion. Now our lifestyles lack way, way, way more than just motion and have a million other um, modern day, you know, uh, you know, um, whatever harm, dangers really on top of it. So we're just like, there's no point of just going to the gym if it's just not, it's not going to do the job to offset the life, our modern lifestyle. And it also, like I said, it wants to, like people, again, fitness coaches, if you look around, there's a lot of great leaders, influencers, authors, speakers that got their start in fitness and then continued to realize, like, I'm not just, I guess I'm not just a fitness professional. I really actually love like health, like I'm a health professional and they've expanded in that direction. And there's, you know, now, hundreds if not thousands of coaches that are kind of following the same path, maybe a few years behind, maybe they're, maybe we're too late to become the authors, you know, the, have the, you know, kind of influence like a, some of these other guys do, but like the idea of like, why should I just stop at sweating and exercise when I have the abilities to learn more, my clients need more, the opportunities are there and people fucking need. Do you, so I just, uh, while you were doing this, I just punched this in. Uh, according to the U S Bureau of labor statistics, just under 400,000 people uh, were, um, reported working in a fitness trainer or instructor-related position in the United States um, in 2019. Now, let me ask you this. Out of the 400,000 fitness professionals, 
how many of them do you think are actually decent, good, qualified, quote unquote, professionals at teaching fitness? What percentage of them? Um, very low. Okay. Now, a very low percentage are actually good at the one thing that they've niched into. Mm-hmm. Now, if this concept of, well, if, if you feel like your clients aren't getting really the results and maybe it's because they're a shitty fitness professional, or maybe it's because the client's just a fucking shitty, non-compliant human, whatever it may be. Now let's go ahead and give you a bunch of other skill sets and have you take a lifestyle course that now you're a lifestyle coach and now you do a 12 week nutritional thing. Now you're nutritional. And now not only did you go from being shitty at one fucking job, but now you're shitty at five and you've brought in this entire thing. Like that's one of my fears is that I've got a bunch of, I don't believe I, I literally, I believe most people that say they're fitness professionals. I want to vomit on their fucking shirt. Cause I'm like, you have not gotten your fucking Gladwell 10,000 hours yet. You literally were a coach. You were a client for two years, lost 12 pounds, got your first pull up, became a coach, opened a gym. And now you quote unquote, are a fitness professional. Fuck you. No, you're not. Now you're on your way with every rep and every person that you help. You are well on your way, but let's not call you a fitness professional just fucking yet. That's, and then, so I'm scared to then give these guys more fucking certs or whatever, fucking at whatever kind of uh, uh, accolades or uh, acronyms after their name or before their name that, make them qualified to do other shit. I, I would agree with you there. And I think um, I, I don't, again, this is what we're seeing happen. It's a, a natural evolution and progression of the professional, right? Where it's just like, like any other, uh, you know, it's hard to think of a good example of, of your mind, but when you start to sort of reach the limits of what you can help people within, within you know, the walls of the gym and in in this domain in the class or even one-on-one, but believe you like you're looking, staring at people who have other problems and you are educated, or at least you're been, you've been on your own journey with some of these problems. You're going to feel this calling to like, I don't know, I got, I got to do something here. Like, I don't think most of these fitness professionals are like, Oh, I do two classes a week in exchange for a membership. And then we essentially, I t- say what the workout is and hit the clock. Most of them aren't feeling that, that calling. I think the ones who are like, the ones who will go out and conti- are continually educating themselves all the time, who challenge their own beliefs, who are on their, you know, their own path, who are listening to shows like this and other shows like, who are fully committed to this, those coaches, maybe not yet, but at some point are going to feel like I've, I'm outgrowing the scope of you know, the, the traditional scope of fitness and the world's in a fucking bad place and there, it wouldn't be harmful at all for me to try to start at least taking some initial next steps with my clients. Maybe they're not going all in. I'm not going to, you know, do childhood, you know, inner child work, right? And that's not- Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it's like, okay, let's start looking at your sleep a little bit. Let's start looking at nutrition and mindset. Yeah. And listen, I'll give you that. Like, obviously, if you're in the realm of fitness and you're, you are a professional, you've put in your reps, whatever, it's logical, like you said, to maybe want to, you know, uh, you get really into spinal studies and Dr. Stuart McGill, or you get really into sleep studies, or you get into nutrition or holistic that or plant based diets or whatever adjacent you know, area um, that you can become an SME in, you take, you know, and you take uh, interest in, right? That makes perfect sense to me, right? And you kind of become the two, right? Like, um, you know, if you look at what's his name, fucking the, the knees over toes kid, right? He's not a physical therapist. No, right. he's, he's not, he, he's literally just an athlete who, who came upon a method of improve fixing his own problem is kind of mixed and matched some shit, pulled yeah. some polyquin stuff. And, and he's just got this great method now that's very, very popular. And I see, I can see coaches doing it. Marcus Philly, 
CrossFit mm-hmm. Games athlete, got into aesthetics and bodybuilding because he's just fucking t- probably tired of beating up his body and being way bigger than he needed to be. And, and look, there he is now. He's got this functional bodybuilding thing. I'm all for that. And I can buy, I can, I can buy into that. I guess it just ultimately for me, I'm really number one, to go back to the origin of this conversation. I number one, if we were to go to um, client, what's better, client success or profitability, which one do I care more about? Coming as the business guy, the coach guy, it's got to be profitability because I do believe in uh, Greg Glassman's Hopper model to a degree. You literally could take any group of, pop, of the population and bingo hopper them a workout. And if they did it three days a week, no matter what came out, they would get fitter. I do believe that. I believe doing any activity is better than no activity. You know, my grandma picks up a bag of mulch with a rounded back and she fucking waddles it over to her fucking, you know, her mulch bed with the gnomes and dumps it. And it's not great movement. It's probably not the best for Nana to be doing, but at least Nana's doing something. Like, I do believe in that. So with that being said, I believe client success Again, let's take out, you know, all the, these external life factors, these other things. But let's just say what they walked in the door for, because nobody walked in the door for a gym to change my relationship with myself and my food and how I see myself in the mirror, my body dysmorphia. They came in to just start there. Let me just start to go into the gym. Mm-hmm. And if we, I believe just people stumbling into the gym, fucking off on an elliptical for 30 minutes while they're on their phone every day for a fucking year or every other day for a year or every five days for a year is there's going to be client success there. Sure, there's plenty of opportunity for that to excel. And then they could hire a trainer. They could go to a boutique studio. They could get to small group training and OPEX or whatever. But at the end of the day, profitability to me from a, again, we're talking to gym owners here, has to be top of your list because I've known a lot of gyms that have gone out of business and their clients love them. They swore by them. And these clients cried when the gym owner shut the doors, but he can never provide a career for his coaches. He couldn't provide fucking for his family. And after seven years, he got jaded and burnt out and said, fuck it. And sold all the shit on Craigslist for 20 cents on the dollar. Yeah. So you are right about those, that, those last parts. And I've seen it happen way too many times myself. Um, I was involved in, I've been on the wrong side of all those things myself as well in my own journey. And I helped try to help a lot of other people through it as well uh, on top of it. One thing though. So I just want to go back to this one point because it's important. You mentioned someone comes to the gym, uh, you know, what are they there for, right? And you said, you know, they're not there to fix their emotional relationship with food or how they feel about themselves when they look in the mirror or da, 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 da. They're, they're there to come in the gym and exercise. The thing is, if they have those issues, if they have a, a poor emotional relationship with food, if they look in the mirror and don't like what they see, not just physically, but like don't like the person that they see in that mirror, and then you said, yeah, they go to the treadmill, they go on the treadmill every day for a year and dick around on their phone while they go, like, they're going to lose some weight. But is that success? Is that success? Like, is that, okay? Are, is that, are we okay with someone being like, yeah, I go to this gym, I use the treadmill every day, but I still hate myself when I look in the mirror. I still feel I have, a, I don't enjoy food. The whole food thing is really emotionally a wreck obviously those wouldn't be the only two sure. issues. And what, yeah. And my argument would be, well, the gym didn't, in their agreement, like we go back to original of our conversation, yeah. in the agreement, the gym never said, I'm going to help you fix those things. And to your argument, you're saying, I think gyms and fitness professionals should be saying we're going to help fix those things. Or that we could potentially, you know, that these are offers that we have that go beyond or that we will at least be looking at our life as a whole, as a holistic, right? We're not just going to isolate fitness. And then if we 
what is very common is that people then, well, we expand beyond it by just isolating nutrition, right? Yeah. And um, to not to you know, not see it as a complete picture, I think is that it's really what's coming down to the mistake. And just really, like I said, not seeing our opportunity to have real impact on the situation that we'll call the health of this, you know, our modern world. You know, it's just it's just not good. And it's like people, you know, I think a lot of coaches are just or people in general are done waiting around for for answers. Like if they think I can, I think this guy can or girl can help me. She's a leader in my gym. I love her lifestyle. Like she looks and, and the part and she does all these things. Like, sure, I would love to learn from her more about her, you know, her sleep habits, her morning routines, the way she, her mindset stuff and just whatever, you know, like, why not? Why not? We're all sitting here kind of battling, fighting the same battle, right? I do. And, and as you were saying that, I, I Googled something else here. So uh, in 2020, the obesity rate uh, is 42.4%, which is up 26% since 2008. However, every year that has gone by, there are more people actively fitnessing every single year than the year prior. So let's think about this. Obesity continues to rise, but more than ever, people are exercising. Now, that would lend itself well to where your argument is. Well, yes, dude, there's a lot of these gym memberships and they're not really doing anything for people and people are technically exercising, but obviously obesity is going up. So what fucking good is it, right? Now, when I see a number like, again, 42% of us are, are obese. And again, we get into like this BMI, is that an accurate, you know, estimate yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, the rock is obese technically, right? Um, but it's, it's bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, it's bad. We can all agree. We've all been to fucking Texas and, you know, Iowa and places like that, right? So um, in the Midwest. So my thing is this, when I think of that percentage, 42%, okay, that still leaves the majority of people not obese and maybe working out regularly very hard and, and eating well and taking care of their mind, body, and soul in whatever way they do that, religion, fucking uh, meditation, whatever the fuck, whatever approach they take, right? And my thing is this, is I, I don't believe in saving everyone. I've always said, like, not all the baby sea turtles make it back right? Mm -hmm. They just fucking don't. I'm a huge fan of Darwinism. Um, and I, I don't understand the need to convince people. Like, I love what you're doing, but the fact that like you go around and you work with trainers and I get you one of the I bet you a Q and a at the end of one of your seminars is something like, all right, so I got a client, right? So she's all into the fitness, but when I talked to her about all this other stuff, she's not really biting. How do I sell? How do I show her that this other stuff, I'm sure that's a problem they have because they're selling something that nobody came there to get from them. It'd be like, I went to go buy a couch and this guy is over there asking me if I want to fucking refinance my house. I'm like, bro, just fucking get me this lazy boy. Like, that's not at all what I came here for. So there's a population of people who need a lot more. No, mm -hmm. duh, I get it. I get it. And there's a population of people we're doing a lot more. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where do you see for the fitness professional? Is it like, okay, like is the market for, for, you know, in your world, is the market going to be that 42%, the obese, like that's, that's the, that's the alien population we need to help. Mm -hmm. Um, and mean, not just obese, but like, is that mainly like we were looking at, we're like, okay, we're mainly for us. We're trying to help people who have, yeah, they have fitness problems, but that's because they have a lot of other things interconnected that are problematic. Yeah. So yeah, we're, this is our approach here. Isn't to a, obviously not for everybody. It's not a save the world. It's really not going after people who are like, 
stuck on the couch. This isn't a get people off the couch for the first time, just like it's the natural progression for the coach. It's what we're finding. It's the natural progression for the, the gym goer as well to get to a point of like, all right, I'm, I'm not really getting the results that I want anymore. What, like how I know that I can do better. What, what else goes beyond this? And I'll just give like a very quick example of somebody who's on a podcast. I have a show called the O two three pro show. If anyone wants to check it out. And I used this example recently of like, you have a girl in your gym like this and she's committed to the gym and she eats pretty well, but the food that actually makes it, you know, into her body is, is pretty good. We'll just say that. But, you know, she hits the snooze three, four times each morning. She needs coffee before she can even really like feel good or smile. She, you know, spends the time she's drinking coffee in the morning scrolling through Instagram. She carries around kind of just like a low grade background anxiety, angst all the time, just kind of like not really feeling good. She gets to work. She's overwhelmed. She's stressed. She's reactive. She's on someone else's call. Every lunch break or break room or whatever is like a, a battle between like, I don't want to eat any of this stuff, but it's crazy. I want to. And sometimes I do. And sometimes I don't. And then I'm mad at myself and I'm guilty and or whatever. She comes to the gym, busts her ass, loves it there. That's her escape, you know? And then at nighttime she goes home and, you know, it's Netflix and social media and you know, one or two, too many episodes and it's late night snacking. And then it's the whole thing all over. And all of those things mentioned there, none of those things are like medical problems for the health care none of those she's eating okay and she's going to the gym regularly but all of those things there will ultimately lead or are will lead immediately to um quality you know just poor quality of lifestyle and will ultimately lead to real actual health problems over you know it'll take time but decades later those will be real health problems so it's like those people are in your gym and they are committed and they are you know, wanting to better themselves and they're still dealing with all of these issues. So like who helps that person with those issues? All the different areas that you work with trainers to develop outside of the other 20, you know, the other 23 outside of the fitness, these are all areas that there's currently a profession geared just towards that one thing, correct? Uh, For the most part, like nutrition, sure. obviously, right? There's li there's life coaching, or you know, however you want to frame that fucking word. Yeah. Um, we basically just real quick, we we everything we do still boils down into four buckets: food, sleep, movement, and mindset. Now, those buckets are a little bit more expansive than normally viewed. Like sleep isn't just oh, on the my bed sleeping; it's all of circadian rhythm and how to you know synchronize all those type of things. But really, it boils down to four buckets. Yes, there are some professionals in some of these areas. Yeah. And I guess that's my thing is, again, kind of going back to what we were talking about before is like, how much education is going to be needed in this, in, for an individual of that to, to really consider himself, I'm a professional in these four buckets, I can help you in these four buckets when you may just agree that there are people who've spent five plus years in the fitness industry that we think are complete that are fucking dog shit, absolute yeah. dog shit. Like, and again, that's the other thing too, is number one is What's the reality that we are actually going to be able to educate individuals across multiple broad things there without a very, very significant dedication of time and years and reps and, and scholastic programs or internships or some way to cultivate this knowledge, you know? Um, and number two, where is the market for this? I don't see a market for it. I see people who get sold or we're going to get sold it, who need it, who might need it, but there's nobody walking around. It's like, where can I find that one person to get like the market isn't asking for this. This is a service that we are providing or people are providing. And, you know, 
bringing people into because they might be like, you didn't realize you want this, but this is you want what you want. And I'm not arguing that at all. Which is but, the market. That's yeah. the market for me. That's how a market asks for anything. Well, that's not the Nobody market. Walks around and asks for the market, like problems, you know, we talked about free market before, right? Like as problems are presented themselves, that that's where the demand comes from. Like, okay. So our, we are a solution to a problem. Like we wouldn't exist as a business and none of the coaches would have these clients if we were not a solution to a problem. Okay. So w- would we agree? There are way more people walking down the street saying, I need, uh, I need to join a group fitness class or get a personal trainer or join a gym. Then there are people walking in the street saying, I need all four of these buckets. Yep. Okay. So the market is larger in that first one. Mm-hmm. Yet, would you agree the majority of gym owners, personal trainers, and fitness professionals are barely making a livable wage and can't seem to figure it the fuck out how to make money doing this? Yes. And in part because they're not solving big enough problems for people. Okay. But again, but they, that market there, they would have to go from, you told me you want a, well, what you really want is a, B, C, and D versus that other market is actually walking around and say, no, I would like a, B, C, and D. I'm looking for someone to be kind of all this, the one and all, you know, kind of thing for me. Like what I'm saying is that going back to my profitability argument, the fitness industry, anyone in it needs to understand how to be a successful business person first and foremost in the one niche to this enormous market and the desire for fitness, which you're right, it's the maybe not people just wanting gym memberships. I understand uh, as much as anybody that people buy emotionally, okay? Mm -hmm. They logistically, oh, I need to get a gym membership. That's the logic part, okay? But they emotionally do it six months later after they've passed that gym every day going to work, after the boyfriend breaks up with him and he's banging this hotter chick. That's mm-hmm. the, the emotional decision for the buy, for the purchase, okay? Mm-hmm. But logically, people are not walking in with that laundry list of all these things are wrong in my life. They're just walking in with the one. Right. And, if, and, it, and I truly, and I, I te- for sales training, don't sell the unsellable. Don't sell people what they don't want to be sold either. You know, again, it's like you ever go to a restaurant and you're like, I'll just do the chicken. You're like, well, today's specials are blah, 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 and seacrusted salmon. You're like, yeah, that's great. I just really like the chicken here. Oh my God, but you got to try the Chilean sea bass. Like, dude, just get the fuck out of here by my goddamn chicken. Like, I know what I want. I came in and said it. Yes. So just to remind you, everything we're talking about here is is an evolution, a graduation from the baseline level of fitness. So we're not saying like that, that example I gave, that's someone who goes to your gym already, has been there a while and is committed and still dealing with a laundry list of things. And she might not be saying, oh, I want someone to really help me break my phone addictions or cure my you know, anxiety. But what she's saying is, I feel like shit. I don't feel good. And someone who lives that lifestyle ultimately at some point realizes, I don't feel good. I'm not thriving. I'm tired. I'm fatigued. I have food situation. Like I'm just not thriving, right? Is phone so addiction, like, is, that, is that one of the things you guys deal with? We deal a lot with digital dependency, yeah. How... But here's just a rare, this is a little off topic. Uh, how long has digital dependency been like a, a diagnosed like syndrome or issue? I just feel like there can't be enough data or fucking we don't, time. No, we don't diagnose. We don't diagnose anything. We don't. We're not prescriptive at all. Sure. In anything, um, but we ask people about their phone. Like, how does it feel? Do you feel like you're compulsively grabbing this phone? Does it feel like it owns you, or you own it? And we, we work from there. And we have this whole. We call it scrolliosis. It's essentially. That's clever. physical, mental, That's emotional, like that. and um, spiritual, really, disintegration of ourselves through these phones. Um, and we, we have all different ways of, of, depending on the severity of it and whatnot. You think if radios would have been smaller, your grandparents would have carried them around? Yeah, probably. 
I'm you not think saying, listen, I use my phone all the time. We're not saying, hey, you can't use your phone here. Yeah. We just want people rebuild just, their, this villain, it. Vil, yeah, when people like the villainizing the phone, I'm just like, I, I don't know if my mom's, I saw my grandpa's TV. It was fucking large, but if right. it wasn't and he could have had it in his pocket, motherfucker would have carried it around and this wouldn't be weird for everybody. Like exactly. the fact that we're all attached to our phones. Like, has there ever been a device in the history of fucking Everdom that's done as much as this one thing? Exactly. And my whole business runs on, yeah. on the internet, right? Yeah. So it's like, we're not telling people you can't use this anymore, but we, there are people who compulsively um, have issues with their phone and it affects them mentally very much between the, the, the mental stimulation, the emotional stimulation, um, there's, I mean, I, I'm going to be doing a podcast actually in a few weeks on scoliosis if anyone wants to check it out. Is it, um, is it, is it, is the problem the phone or is the problem the individual's kind of a mental midget and they're, they need to get a little bit tougher maybe? Um, it, it's a little of both usually. Yeah. I think we all, I, it's rare to find, I'll, I'll ask you if you agree. Do you, do you feel like you have your phone habits completely in control or do you feel like sometimes they're, it's not healthy? I, I've never once ever, uh, no, I've, I lost my phone for like four days and like, that wasn't an issue. Right. Cause I have a, a laptop and two other could be like, I don't know. I've no, I've never had like panic. If I don't have my phone, I don't have anxiety. If I don't have my phone, no, but, but have you ever like used it to the point where you're like, what am I doing? No, I, I, no, I, I use it to communicate and I think that's all in utility and that's what we all use it for. I use it as a calculator utility or things like that. I use it to play music utility or things like that, or I use it to communicate phone call, text, post on social. Like it's like, I don't like, you know, it, it turns my car on. I mean, I don't know. We, um, we, rare, we rarely work because we also work direct. We have a, a B2C as well, a few different programs. We work with clients directly and rarely do we find someone who's like, like not feel like who's, feeling like they're stuck they're struggling they're overweight that isn't um that isn't using the phone like basically day and night in bed on the toilet and everything like that yeah you know what i think guys like you and me and anyone like you and me probably look at our phone and we're like this makes me money yeah now it's a tool Whereas somebody, unfortunately, working some busted ass job that they're not happy with, this is now just that this is like their escape. This is the thing. This is like their passage to a life that could be theirs, but it's not. Yeah. Right. So and, and we need this world temporarily. Yeah, correct. Thing. So the real issue, you know, and maybe this is something you guys address is like, that's not really the phone's fault. Your job sucks because you made shitty choices. And now it's time for you to unfuck everything and figure out what kind of life you want to live. And then having your phone is not, a, you, you'll never even think twice about whether your phone's a negative aspect in your life. Exactly. You know, whatever we're using to escape isn't really the problem. It's what are we escaping from? I, oh yeah. Perfect. That's a great line. I fucking love that. Um, and to wrap this thing up, you know, again, I, uh, I really appreciate you coming on and jamming on this. I think ultimately at the end of the day, like, I do. I put profitability in the business format for whether you're a trainer or a coach online or in person has got to be first and foremost, because you can't help anyone if you're broken. And here's the thing is, if ever like this, there's always that martyr gym owner who's like, oh, I don't need to make money. Then go open up a nonprofit 501c3, you fuck. Like, go ahead and do like, if that's the case, then go do that. Don't have a for-profit business, employ people. And last time I checked, most people don't go get employed to not make a good amount of money, to not be able to pay, you know, feed their kids. Don't like put the sign up on your fucking building says I'm a for-profit business. I will get you a job and then act like a martyr and not worry about profitability and let the whole thing crumble. And that just frustrates the piss out of me. And here's the thing, getting clients results is fun. 
It's enjoyable. You're a trainer, you're a coach. That's why I got into it. You know, uh, creating a pull-up progression for Sally or writing up a nutritional program is, is, is fun. It's enjoyable. And I'm not going to say it's easy. You know, it's not as hard as creating a profitable business. It's really fucking hard. That's mm-hmm. the other thing when I hear people like, oh, well, I don't like to focus on profit. It's like, because you're not fucking good at it. Mm-hmm. You're not good enough at it, but you're not good at business. So you're going to hide behind that bullshit that you're like, oh, I'm not in it for the money. Uh, then why did you open a for-profit business, you dumb fuck? I feel like we should get rid of LLC and it should be like whatever, Stu's gym for-profit. Just to remind everybody, that's why they fucking exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you there. And I ran into, like I said, I was running a very profit-oriented uh, affiliate for many years while nobody around me was even like, it seemed like even attempting or even knew what the word profit was the way these things were being run. It was very, very frustrating. Um, and ultimately, you know, caused pro- uh, some some problems for us. It really just caused me a lot of headaches. Um, and I absolutely agree. And I still, like I mentioned earlier, I was always very focused on those things. I still very much am, not just for my own uh, company, of course, but for our clients and our coaches. We just always link income to impact. And it's always just, if you want to make, you know, the, the uh, we're teaching you a direction to increase your inco- uh, income by increasing your impact and raising the value of who you are as a professional, what you can provide. And the more, the higher, the bigger problems you can solve for people, meaning the problems that affect them every day of their life and affect other things in their life besides just themselves, other people, their jobs, like whatever it is, it affects who they are on that kind of level. There's real value that comes with that. And that goes a lot more than you know, $99 a month type stuff. Um, so for coaches, you know, again, this is all built on the foundation of fitness still, but they're looking to take that next step, especially for owners or high level coaches who are like, I want to, you know, focus on, you know, uh, working with another 15 to 20 clients a year, one-on-one in a you know, high ticket type scenario and really get to the root of these things and solve that kind of, these kind of problems and get this kind of fulfillment and be this kind of professional. I mean, in our, obviously I agree, I believe that this is the route to go. Is, is, do we, I, my, this, my initial criticism, and again, I'm ignorant. I don't understand the, the market and, and the, this, that, that you're the coaches and people you work with, but like part of me, that's instantly where my brain instantly goes to like, all right, I'm not making enough money as a gym owner or trainer or online trainer. So I'm going to slap four other services, things that I can fix. And now I can increase my price. And again, cause you know, if you told me you could train me, masseuse me, make my, you know, pick out my food and whatever, I would pay more for that. It, we're respond to that. If that was the criticism, like, okay, everyone looking to do this is looking to add more things to their shitty pocket knife, like things that they can do to yeah, increase. I, the- I see the, the, how you're receiving this and it's, yeah, it's definitely a little skewed. You're picturing it like, oh, we're not just CrossFit gym. We also have yoga on Sundays and we also have fucking whatever things and stuff like that. Um, no, that's not it at all. And in fact, it's not a tack on service. It's not a, you can do part of this and part of that. It's like we create, it's, it's two halves that can, can make a whole there's fitness. And then there's the other 23 hours and those things together make a complete package, a holistic approach. In other words, a coach just all they know is they can feel like I have no gaps in my game. I have no ceilings to what I can help someone with. When people come here with problems, I'm not necessarily going to sell this to everybody. It's not for everybody, but when people come here looking for help in their life and their health and fitness, I can, I feel confident that I can help them. 
I love it, dude. Brian, man, you're 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 legit, dude. I'm I'm super glad you you got into the comments. And we got to riff back and forth. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and and yeah. you know doing this with me. If anyone wants to reach, they love what you had to say. They want to get in touch with you, learn more about what it is you do. How can they reach you? Yeah. So um, on Instagram is best. It's o two three underscore holistic underscore systems is our uh, main page. I'm also uh, b costello underscore o two three. Um, not as active on there, but make myself more active on there. We also have our, um, our, the newest evolution of our certification is the O23 Holistic Lifestyle Specialist Level 1. Uh, we have classes, uh, we have class starting next week. This won't be in time, I'm sure, but we also have a class uh, kicking off at the end of March for that as well. And um, yeah, that's our main certification right now. And uh, it's fucking awesome. Awesome, man. Listen, I appreciate it. I'll, I'll plug all that in the show notes. Brian, thank you so much for coming on today, man. It was it was good. Uh, it was good going back and forth with you on this. Yeah, thank you. We'll do great. it again. We'll do it again soon, sometime. I'm yes, sure. You will.